This past summer, my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. They have lived in the same house for over 40 years. My husband Josh's parents have also lived in the same town as my parents for over 30 years. When I was born, I came home to my parents' house, and that's where I lived until Josh and I got married. We lived one town over for two years and then moved back to our hometown for the next 12 years. I worked in the same school that I had attended for elementary and middle school. I had my first two babies in the same hospital that I was born in. My mom and mother-in-law watched our girls while I worked. Church was a family affair. Josh's dad was the pastor of our church, and Josh served as both the youth pastor and assistant pastor under him. My dad was on the board of trustees there, and my mom taught Sunday school. I also wore May hats, serving with the kids, running media, and doing administrative tasks. I wanted to paint this picture for you to show you that our life was pretty comfortable and predictable. And then nine years ago, we made the move to Down East Maine for a job opportunity. We now live only about an hour and a half away from where we were, but the reality is that we had to start from scratch. Everything was new to us. A new apartment after living for 12 years in our previous home, new doctors for the last two months of my last pregnancy, a new job for Josh, a new experience of being a stay-at-home mom for me, a new school for our daughter Lexi to start kindergarten in, new roads and stores to learn, new places to explore, new friends, and of course, a new church family. These were just a few of the obvious changes, but we had no idea how many new experiences God was preparing for us. Think about the word new. How do you feel about having the newest and best things? My husband Josh has spent the last 20 years working in IT, and he is definitely a newest and best kind of guy. He works in the field of ever-changing, always upgrading stuff. It seems like as soon as a new technology is out, that is already outdated, and there's something newer and better coming on the horizon. I, on the other hand, have slowly crawled into the 21st century with technology, but as a general rule, I don't care about new things. I'm usually content to make what we have work for as long as possible. As a matter of fact, most of the time, I don't think we need a fill-in-the-blank until the old one stops working completely. In preparing to share with you today, I've been thinking about why do I hesitate at the word new when other people, like my husband, embrace it. I think, for me, it's because there's so much uncertainty in new. To me, it's expensive. It sounds unnecessary when what I have still works. When we're talking about experiences, it requires giving up the comfortable and the familiar and doing something different. For some people, new sounds exciting. Maybe you're one of those people who embrace change and love the excitement of trying new things. If you hadn't guessed, I am not one of those people. I like my comfortable little bubble just the way it is, thank you very much. But one thing that I've learned about God is that he does not want us to stay stagnant. If we allow him to work in our lives, he will stretch us and grow us. This means that I have to be okay with new, especially when it's something new God is working in me or showing me. Over the past nine years of this new chapter, especially the last couple years, I have learned that even if new experiences scare the daylights out of you, it doesn't mean that they're bad. In fact, there just may be incredible things on the other side of them. Some of you in this room watching this on video or listening online don't know me. But since I'm standing up here, you might assume that I don't mind the spotlight. 
But the people that know me know that the truth is that I am not comfortable when the attention is on me. This was the last place I ever thought I would be. Yet here I stand, because this is God's work, not mine. My comfortable bubble was fine for a time, but after I began a relationship with Jesus as a teenager, God began to show me that he had new things for my life. It took me many years and our big move to come to, the term, come to terms with the fact that God wasn't going to let me stay in my comfortable place. He was preparing me for new things he has for me, and he has new things for you too. I used to say that I'm a different person than I was five years ago, or even a year ago, but that's not really true. I am more me than I have ever been. I have begun to learn who God truly created me to be, and I'm allowing him to create me anew. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's quite painful and uncomfortable. It's an ongoing process that won't be completed until I get to heaven, but it's very freeing. In Pastor Todd's first message in the How to Human series a few weeks ago, the very first thing he challenged us with was to be you, to be who God made you to be. He said we need to rediscover and return to the original design of who God made us to be and to become. Embrace all the parts of your story as you grow to be more like Christ. Who God has made each of us is different, but it is a person in his own image and a new creation when we choose to follow him. We're going to start by turning to some verses from the New Testament. In a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, the book of Romans, you can follow along in your Bible, on the Bible app, or the verses will be on the screen for you. When this letter was written, Paul had not yet visited the church in Rome, but he wanted to make sure that they had a solid understanding of the plan of salvation and some practical advice on how to live out their faith. We're going to start in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, which starts, Therefore. Whenever you see therefore in Scripture, it means we have to look at what came just before it. The background of what happened just before this in chapter 11 was that Paul was talking to the believers in Rome, who were Gentiles, about being grafted into the nation of Israel. Jews and Gentiles both were given the same salvation through believing in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So this, therefore, is referring to the plan of salvation for Jews and Gentiles alike. He's making sure that they understand this message isn't just for the Jewish people, but for everyone. So here's what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's the key word in the title of the message today. Renew. The word renew means to give fresh life or strength to replace something broken or worn out. I don't know about you, but I can certainly relate to feeling broken and worn out at times, especially in my mind, in my thoughts, as this verse says. For there to be something new, that implies that there was something old. That thing is probably what looks broken and worn out. A part or parts of us that have not aged well, we all have an old story. Some of you may still be living in your old story and are looking for a way out. Maybe you feel trapped in the past, like there's no hope for the future. 
But Paul tells us that we can choose to break free from the pattern of the world and renew our minds. In another letter to a different church, this time to Jewish believers in the church in Ephesus, Paul is writing and speaks of their lives before they met Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. So we come to the problem where in our old story we are all dead. That's all of us before we begin a relationship with God. We are all sinners. We've fallen short of perfection and we are spiritually dead. We have a broken past that keeps us stuck. We live out old stories with themes that could look in our life like lostness, being bound, afflicted, and overwhelmed. We live with broken relationships with God, ourselves, others, and the world. We have an old story that shaped who we are and that we carry around. Renewal means that we don't have to live in our past. We have access to fresh life and strength. A few verses later, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And then in verse 10, he says, He has created us anew. Sorry. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God's masterpiece. Every one of us was created by God, and it's through Jesus that we are created anew. We'll come back to that idea in a few minutes. It's important to understand that renewal is a process. I like to think of it like a caterpillar. It starts off living its caterpillar life until one day its instincts tell it to build a chrysalis, wrap up, go to sleep in the dark. In the dark, an incredible process takes place. The majority of their body structure breaks down into a goo that then reforms into a butterfly. All the major organs stay intact and the body is rebuilt around them. Inside the caterpillar, there were already what are called imaginal discs that will become the wings of the butterfly. Georgetown University did a study where caterpillars were trained to avoid specific smells and the butterfly would remember that training. Do you see what's happening here? The butterfly still has important parts from its caterpillar beginning. It has undergone a transformation of being made new. What was already there was changed, altered, made new, but the essence of who the caterpillar was is not completely lost. This is the same for us. We can be made new, renewed, without losing ourselves. We become even more ourselves on the other side than we were before. What we, intend, what we were intended to be. It doesn't happen overnight, but in the process, we become beautiful in a way that we never could have imagined. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Isaiah. He was a prophet to the nation Israel, a nation that at the time had turned away from God. He gives out some pretty stern warnings to the Israelites, but he doesn't leave them with just stern warnings. He wants them to turn back to God, so he reminds them of how wonderful their God is and all that he has done for them. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Although Isaiah is speaking specifically to the nation of Israel in these verses, we can see God's character, his willingness to renew the strength of a rebellious and broken people, just like the Israelites were, just like we are. 
As I said before, renewal is about giving fresh life and strength. It carries with it the idea that we had something or we were something before, which is our old story, and now it's being made new. So in this verse, those who hope in the Lord had strength. Somewhere along the way, it was lost. For the Israelites, it was turning their back on God. For us, maybe you've hit a rough patch in life. Maybe you've lost faith or hope in what God was doing in and through you. It happens to the best of us. But Isaiah says that when we hope again in the Lord, he will renew that strength. And not just a little strength, but enough to soar like an eagle, run without being weary, and walk without fainting. The average distance traveled by a soaring eagle is 125 miles, which is equal to about four to six hours without stopping. Not just a quick little spin around the block, but a substantial amount of time that the eagle can just soar without effort, just resting on the wind that God gives it. In our weary times of life, we can put our hope in him, and the direct result is that he renews our strength, gives us fresh strength to soar through the tough spots. A few chapters over, in chapter 43, Isaiah reminds them about how God had brought them out of Egypt. That rescue was a powerful part of their old story, plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. You would think that Isaiah would use such a great story of God's power to encourage them, but instead, he says something I find interesting. In Isaiah 43, verse 18, he says, But forget all that, that being God bringing them out of Egypt, it is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Even though that was a great part of their story, Isaiah tells them to forget that because God has a promise for them in verse 19. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. They need to forget their old story because God is in the renewal business. He was getting ready to move in the nation of Israel and they needed to be ready to follow him. He was with Israel, and he is with us today. Even parts of our old story that are good are not where God wants us to stay. They can still be given fresh life. I do want to make sure that I acknowledge that some of us have old stories that are painful and traumatic. If you are a victim of abuse of any kind or if you've experienced trauma, it's important to seek professional help. A Christian counselor can help you process those experiences in light of how God will renew and redeem your story. It isn't shameful to need someone to come alongside you to work through the hardest and darkest parts of your life. It may take time and it will take effort, but even the messiest old story can be renewed by God. If you don't know where to look to find professional help, you can reach out to Pastor Todd and he'll be happy to connect you with someone that can come alongside and help you navigate what has happened in your past. In thinking about your old story, maybe you're saying, but I like who I am. I'm happy with the life I live, the work I'm doing, and my relationship with God. Maybe this is because you've already stepped into the life that God has for you and embraced the story he's writing in your life. Or maybe you're clinging to your past because you're hesitant to let go of control, to give him your life and let him make you new. I can tell you from experience that the growing pains will be worth it. Perhaps you're thinking about your old story and you're thinking that this sounds great. Yes, this is what I need. I need a renewal in my old story. 
And you heard Isaiah saying to the nation Israel about putting your hope in the Lord. And you're saying, okay, I'm hoping in the Lord. Done. Now what? In the Greek, the word renew is peleng genesia. Peleng means again. Genesia means beginning. Begin again. When we go back to the beginning, we find the scriptures begin in the book of Genesis with the account of creation. God created humans in his image and established a home for them where they would meet with him every day. We are created to live in relationship with God. Sin broke that relationship, but we were given a way back. Step one to this renewal is reestablishing our relationship with God. We do this through believing and trusting in the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. If you have not come to the point where you have decided to follow Jesus, expecting God to do a work of renewal in you is pointless because that sin creates a wall between you and God. And you can't have a real relationship with God when you're separated from him by a wall. So this is your step one. Decide if you really, truly want to follow Jesus with your whole heart and let him renew your life. Come back to him if you need to or come to him for the first time. If you do, you could even let God know that right now here in your seat. Confess to him that you have sinned against him and thank him for Jesus coming to the earth to die for those sins, to give you the chance to be renewed and have right standing with him. It's really that simple. There are no magic words or special prayer. It's simply acknowledging that Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he said he did. If you pray to him today or you want to learn more about what it means to have a relationship with God, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you that you can fill out, drop in the offering box in the lobby, and someone will follow up with you this week. If at any point you have made that decision to live in relationship with Jesus, whether it was many years ago or just moments ago, you're ready for step two. And if you aren't there yet, I ask that you still pay attention so that you can see what God is offering to do in your life. Step two is that we have to put off our old self, our old story. We're headed back to the New Testament to hear from Paul again, back to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, which says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. When it says to put off your old self, the old self is pretty complex. It includes our sinful lifestyle, worldly thinking, philosophies and ideologies, the things we used to pursue, the way we used to speak, think, act, and interact with people, and the way we used to view ourselves, God, others, and the world. Then we're instructed to put on the new self. The new self is like God in his righteousness, which is being made right with God and living right with others according to the word of God, and holiness, which is being set apart for God, called to live and act differently. Paul says we can picture this process like changing your clothes. In Galatians 3.27, it says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. I see it like this. You just did some yard work or you went to the gym and you're sweaty and you just feel gross. You're probably not going to want to stay in those dirty clothes the rest of the day. 
So get changed. Put off the old and put on the new life that you have in Christ. The next question is, how do we embrace the new person? How do we walk in our new identity and walk in it daily? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 13, 14, to rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. If you want to ditch the old wardrobe and the old labels that came with it, you have to put on Christ in your life. That is step three. Put on your new life and step into your new story with Christ. Be intentional in your daily living to move deeper into relationship with him. When we put off our old self and clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, God can and does rewrite our stories. It's easy to get stuck in the past, to let our old story control us, to let it limit us. Maybe you're thinking that a rewritten story sounds great, but clearly, I don't know your story. Your story is too messy. Your story is too sinful, too complicated. The good news is that I don't need to know your story. I know our God, and I know he rewrites even the messiest of stories. Even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard of King David. He was the one who was called a man after God's own heart. But even his story had its messes. Let's talk about David and Bathsheba. David, the man after God's own heart, also committed adultery and murder. His life was a great example of a messy old story. I love the way that the message translation puts David's thoughts in Psalm 18:24. It says, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. God rewrote his story. But when did it happen? When he opened his heart to God, when he confessed his wrongdoings. Those events were not erased from history. He still had an old story. But in God's rewritten story, his sin was forgiven and he was able to move forward without his past holding him down. We read earlier from Ephesians that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. If we are living our life in those trespasses and sins, we are living a life that is dead. Some of us have gotten really good at hiding the deadness of our story. We can make it seem like life is going pretty good. We can try to weave a story that doesn't look as bad as we feel on the inside. It's not always obvious that we're stuck in our old story. I think of it like a deciduous tree. So we're in the time of year when trees are losing their leaves, and once that has happened, if you look at a forest of deciduous trees in the winter, you can't tell the difference between a dead tree and an alive one. They all look the same, bare. It's in the spring when you see which ones are alive. Just like a dead deciduous tree, it will eventually become obvious to those around that we no longer have life, that our old, messy story has enslaved us. It's easy to get stuck. Stuck thinking that your old story is the only story, that what's done is done, and that you're destined to live the rest of your life in the shadow of the past. Even if your past was pretty great, God never intended for us to stay there. He doesn't want us stagnant. Life is about changing, growing, learning, becoming more like God, who God created us to be. Because we're made in God's image, the ultimate goal is being like him. It's easy to make excuses or become complacent, especially when things are going well. Why would we want to stir the pot, open old wounds of the past? Wouldn't that be like going backward? Except it's when we examine the past, what in the past has shaped us that we can learn what God wants to do to renew us. 
how he can and will rewrite our story, how he can take something that was dark and bring light into the deepest parts of our souls. When Paul tells us in the book of Romans that God works all things together for our good, this is what it means. Not that the bad thing that happened was good, but that he can rework it, rewrite it, allow that experience to mold us, shape us, and draw us closer to him. We no longer have to live in our old story. Our old story can be, began to be rewritten when we accepted Christ and started to allow him to work in us. We can look back at our old story through the lens of our relationship with God and see it from a different perspective. See where God was working. See what we can learn about God and ourselves through the difficult times. Sometimes we can get caught between our old and new stories and we have to intentionally choose to live in our new story. Our old story might seem to be more comfortable. It might seem to be not that bad. It may be what we've rooted our identity in. But that old broken story doesn't get the final say unless you let it. We need to be careful that we are not too attached to who we've been, that we can't become who God has called us to be. Let me say that again for you. We need to be careful that we are not too attached to who we've been, that we can't become who God has called us to be. Paul is one of my favorite people in the Bible. To me, he is a great example of God writing a new story. He persecuted the early church until he encountered Jesus. God instantly and completely redirected him down a new path of sharing the story of Jesus with the world. Paul has so many encouragements for the early church about how to live this new life in Christ. In his letter to the church in Corinth, we find 2 Corinthians 4.16, which says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. He's pointing out that although we still have these bodies that can and do fail us, we can have renewal in our spirit. Every day we can choose to step into our new story. We can take advantage of that strength we read about in Isaiah. We don't have to do it alone. The next chapter over, chapter 5, verse 17, is also a very well-known verse. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We become a new person by stepping into our new story, one that has been rewritten by God. Jesus did a lot of new things when he came to earth. He flipped the script on a lot of cultural and religious ideas. He did and said things that no one else had. Lepers he touched, Samaritans he spoke to, tax collectors he dined with, he allowed sinners to wash his feet, he told people that their sins were forgiven. An encounter with Jesus meant that you had a new story. He was in the renewal business. Along with providing individual renewals, he also instituted a new celebration for the Jewish people. For hundreds of years, the Jews had celebrated Passover. This celebration was a look back at the story we mentioned earlier of how God saved his people, the Israelites, from Pharaoh before they left Egypt. It was also a look forward to the sacrifice on the cross that Jesus would make. How he, the Lamb of God, would shed his blood and it would be a covering over the doorpost of our hearts to save us from eternal death. The Passover broke the yoke of slavery that the Israelites were under. Just as the Israelites had been slaves, the Jewish people of Jesus' day were slaves as well. They were slaves of sin. This was their old story. In the book of John chapter 8, Jesus had been speaking to his followers about how to be free. 
They didn't understand what he was saying to them, and they asked him what he meant since they were descendants of Abraham, and they had not lived as literal slaves. Jesus tells them in John chapter 8, verse 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. That's them, that's me, that's you. We are slaves to sin. But just like the Israelites, we can be freed from that slavery. It's that personal relationship with Jesus that we keep talking about. So when it came time to celebrate Passover, Jesus wanted them to stop looking back at what Passover represented and look forward to what this celebration would mean in the future. He instituted a new celebration that we call communion or the Lord's Supper. In Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28, we see the new covenant promise. During the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Take, eat, this is my body. Take the cup, taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood, God's new covenant poured out for many people for the forgiveness of sins. The old story of celebrating Passover was replaced with a new story of celebrating communion together. The old story is past. The new story is the life we are living now here on earth. But God's still not done with renewal. We have a future to look forward to that Jesus also had some things to say about. Matthew records in his gospel, chapter 19, verse 28, that Jesus was speaking to the disciples, and he said, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Did you catch that? When the world is made new. Not if. Jesus didn't say, I'm thinking about maybe trying this new thing. He says when. It's for sure. There's more story to be written. At the very end of scriptures is the book of Revelation. This book was written by one of Jesus' disciples named John. John was granted some pretty incredible and pretty mind-boggling visions of the future. The majority of the book of Revelation is full of chaos, pain, judgment of evil. John has seen some terrible things, and he must think the future looks pretty bleak. But then the page turns to chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Everything new. Some versions read, all things new. Not only will we someday get a resurrected body like Jesus, we get everything new. All things new, not all new things. What we already have is made new. The world as we know it gets restored to its previous Garden of Eden glory. No death. No sorrow, no crying, no pain. If it's bad, if it's sinful, it's a no. Instead, it's new. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus as your Savior, he will make you new. Philippians 1.6 reminds us, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, that's the work of bringing you to Christ and starting you down this path of new life, 
will continue his work until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We are all works in progress, and God will complete the work. God completes his work in all of us. No one is too broken for God to fix. That means God's not done with your story. So you may be asking, why does this even matter? If God's going to do the work in us eventually, someday, anyway, why do we need to lean into this now? Let me ask you, do you ever feel unsettled? Like there has to be more to life? That's your new story crying out, trying to pull you in to get you to recognize that you can live that new life now. Did you know that even the world, all of creation, feels the weight of sin? When Paul writes to the church in Rome, he paints a picture of the effects of sin on everything. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. The original creation didn't know death and decay. Creation is bearing the weight of sin. If creation is unsettled and groaning under the weight of sin, we as human beings created in his image are even more so. This is why it matters. We aren't made to live an unsettled life. We tend to hold our old story in a tightly closed hand. It may not be great, but it's comfortable, and it's familiar, and it doesn't require anything of us. But we have to let go of the old story to embrace the new. We have to decide to go where Jesus is going, to let him lead us down new paths, to walk into kingdom living now. Yes, there's a future kingdom coming, but we start the process now. We can place our trust and hope in Jesus and take the first step into allowing him to write our new story. We have to allow ourselves to see where God came alive in our old story to show us where he was with us in it. What makes our stories? For most people, it's when, when we take who we are, our identity, and we add in the moments that matter in our life, and that equals the stories that we live. For a follower of Christ, the equation is slightly different. We still put together who we are, our identity, in the moments that matter, but then we filter that through where we can see Jesus in the moments, and that equals our transformed story. My hope for you is that in every moment, you would see Jesus in it and how he holds every hardship for us and orchestrates every joy. Finding him in our stories makes all the difference. We have to look back to look forward. We have to see where God was, what he was doing, even if you didn't see it at the time. There are several ways that you could go about that. I've already mentioned counseling. Specifically, if there's abuse or trauma, this is an important step in examining our story. In less severe cases, you could find other ways to process your old story. Some people like to journal. Write out your story. 
Putting the words on paper may help you see where God was in all of it. Or you could find a trusted friend to share your old story with. I have a couple people in my life that know the details of my old story. There are parts of my story that I've been able to share freely with anyone, but parts that just feel too delicate to broadcast with complete transparency. But I found having a few people that you can trust to guard your story can be very freeing. Another strategy is to think about the three people that have most shaped your life. It could be in a good way or a bad way. Think about all the ways that those people have impacted you and the effects that they had on creating your story. You could also divide your life into three parts, three major parts of your life, and think about the most important events that occurred during each of those parts. Acknowledging who and what has shaped you is the first step to moving forward. You may find that your new story brings up a lot of what-ifs. A new story impacts every area of our life and every relationship that we have. What if people don't like the new me? What if I repeat my mistakes? What if God asks me to do something that I don't want to do? Jesus asking the disciples to follow him was a new story. He's asking us to follow him, and he'll work out the rest. Let's remember the verse we read earlier from Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He planned our redemption from the start. He wants us to be new so that we can get back to where we were meant to be. In our new story, Jesus has never left or forsaken us. His resurrection power can bring even the dead stuff in us back to life. He takes every foolish and weak and shameful thing and replaces them with his glory. Your story doesn't have to end in failure. God has grace for you today and an assignment for you tomorrow. Jesus didn't conquer sin just so you could go to heaven one day. He wants you to experience freedom, hope, and grace today. Your shame has been buried. New life begins now. Put off your old self and step into the new story that God has for you. I've experienced it firsthand, and I can tell you that it changes everything. This is my prayer for each of us. Father, I praise you because of the new beginning you continually offer me and every single person that you have created. May the failures that we've experienced be the starting point of your grace. Today, we trade our frustration for surrender, and we ask you to open our eyes to the assignment you've prepared for each of us. When lies whisper to us, remind us of your truth. Because you conquered death and sin, we don't have to live in shame. Help us to step into our new story with peace and confidence in who you have created each of us to be. Listen to this. Look what you've done How could you fall so far You should be ashamed of yourself so I was ashamed of myself The lies I believed They got some roots, they run deep I let them take a hold of my life I let them take control of my life Standing in your presence, Lord I can feel you digging all the roots up I feel you healing all my wounds up All I can say is hallelujah Look!
Suddenly all the shame is gone I thought I was too broken Now I see You were breaking new ground inside of me Standing in your presence, Lord I can feel you digging all my roots up I feel you healing all my wounds up All I can say is Singing, look what you've done.